Well, it's another day, which means it's another daily answer. Your host, Mark Dunnigan. When Jesus came to the home of Zacchaeus, I'm impressed that Zacchaeus became incredibly specific about the changes that he was going to make in his life. When he heard people grumbling that, hey, this Jesus is associated with sinners, it's almost like Zacchaeus said, hey, hey, man, I can't hurt this guy's influence. He's, he's the son of God. And so he says in verse eight, he, he just stops Jesus. He stops Jesus and says, behold, Lord, half of my possessions I will give to the poor. And if I've defrauded anyone of anything, I will give back four times as much. I mean, immediate repentance and very specific repentance. And then Jesus says today, today salvation has come to this household. In looking back upon his life pre-Christian, Paul is very specific about where he had been as far as sin was concerned. He will say in 1 Timothy 1.13, I was formerly a blasphemer, persecutor, violent aggressor, all very specific. In Titus chapter 3, we kind of see the same thing when Paul writing about generally of what a lot of the, the non-Christians had been before their conversion, Paul said, for we once were, Titus 3.3, we were foolish, disobedient, deceived, enslaved the various lusts and pleasures, spending our life in malice, envy, hateful, hating one another. That's all specific. Too many people, when they attempt to change their lives, keep it vague. Well, I need to change some things. I need to make some improvements. I could do better. Okay, but where? See, as long as you keep things vague, they never get done. I mean, that's kind of the thing I've learned in life. Well, you know, I should probably clean this place up. Okay, but what's that mean? Where do you start? You need to have specific steps. When changing your life or improving your marriage or in all those sort of areas or getting out of a sin, getting rid of a sin. Okay, what do those steps look like in specifics? Why do we need to get rid of that? And how do we need to get rid of that? What do you start doing today to make those changes? One, the denominational world talks about just letting Jesus into your heart. Okay, but what does that look like? That's way too vague. And the Bible doesn't use that sort of language. Yes, Jesus needs to be at the center of our lives in first place. That's clear from Matthew 6.33 and Luke 14.26 and 27 and following. That is, he must come before family. He must come before our own lives. Yeah, we need to pick up our cross daily and follow him. Yet the Bible also gives us in reference to what do you do to make Jesus your Lord? What are the steps to become a Christian? And the Bible doesn't leave that vague like, well, just say a prayer, some sort of general prayer, or just generically let him into your heart. In the Great Commission in Mark, Mark's account, Mark 16, 
Verse 15 says, go into all the world and preach the, preach the gospel. The next verse says, he that believeth. Well, there's one step. And I say there's two specific steps. You need to hear the gospel and you need to embrace it. You need to believe it. All right. That's specific. Acts 2.38, the people there believe the message they heard because in verse 36, they will say, after hearing a very convicting message, men and brethren, what shall we do? Verse 37, Peter will say to them, and they already have heard it and they already believe. He will give them another specific step, repent. That is, you got to remove from your life what's sinful. You have to stop your rebellion. Where specifically right now are you contrary to God? Then in Acts 8, the eunuch is taught about Jesus. And he's heard the message and he believes it. And he's also taught about baptism and its importance. And he will say, look water, what prevents me from being baptized? And Philip will say, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And eunuch said in Acts 8.37, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. So there we have hearing the gospel, believing it, repenting of your sins, confessing Christ. And then they stop the chariot. They both go down into the water, Philip as well as the eunuch, and he's baptized. And he goes on his way rejoicing. And the reason for that is that baptism is the last step prior to salvation. That's how important it is. It's not important in the other steps, but it just is the last step before the forgiveness of sins. And so it's repent and be baptized for the remission of your sins, Acts 2.38. It is Mark 16, 16. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Baptism's on the other side of, bab uh, salvation's on the other side of baptism. Uh, Acts 22.16. Why do you delay? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins. He believes in Jesus, but he still has sins because he hasn't been baptized yet. And 1 Peter 3.21, baptism now saves you. Those are all very specific steps. No, are they very specific steps, but they, well, they tell you exactly where you're at on the process. You see, I remember working in the grocery business years ago, talking to a man and he said, well, when I was like around 10, I let Jesus into my heart. But just to make sure that that had happened around 18, I did the same thing. But just to make sure that one stuck in my 30s, I did the same thing. Well, see, the trouble with that is that there's no verse that tells you to do that. You can't point to a verse that says, well, here's where someone said, let Jesus into my heart and he came in. Or here's a place where someone was told to say the sinner's prayer. And after that, you're a Christian. There's no verse that you can point to in the New Testament on that. Now, the verses that you can point to are verses like, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. All right. And, and I think there, there's the great advantage of following the Bible steps. First of all, you actually end up saved. But you also have confidence in your salvation that you hear the gospel, you've heard the truth, and you believe it, and you have repented, all right, and you've confessed Christ, and you've been immersed in water for the forgiveness of your sins. Well, you know exactly when you became a Christian. 
you have a very clear-cut line there. And not only that, you can say, well, I know I've done that. I went through those steps. And I can point to specific passages that say, if you do this, then you're saved. Like Mark 16, 16, or Acts 2, 38, or 1 Peter 3, 21, or Romans chapter 6. That you can point to the specific day in your life and time when you went from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of God. All right. No vagueness there. It's like, well, maybe that happened. Maybe that's when I became a Christian. No, you definitely know when you exactly became part of the New Testament church. When you were added to the church by the Lord, Acts chapter 2, verse 41 and also 47. Repentance is always more genuine when we come to terms, not with a vague sense of, I just have this vague sense I'm not right with God, but with specific sinful attitudes and actions that we need to, well, we need to get rid of. And it's interesting, there are just passages that help us with that, like Colossians chapter 3, where it, it gives you a list of, here's what you need to get rid of. Therefore, consider the members of your earthly body, Colossians 3, 5, as dead to, and then we have a list, immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, greed. And then he says, because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the disobedient. Now, if you want a fuller list, you could see Galatians 5, 19 through 21, the works of the flesh. Then it tells you what to add, the fruit of the spirit. So... The Bible is very specific when it comes to, okay, here's what you need to get rid of in your life. And I really like in most of the places where you have a list like that, of a list of sin. For example, you could look at 1 Corinthians 6, 9 and 10. You could look at, as I noted, Galatians 5, 19 through 21. Or a passage in Ephesians 5, like 3 through 6. Or the passage in Colossians 3, verse 5 and following. Usually there's a statement that says, oh, by the way, the reason you need to get rid of these things is because they will keep you out of heaven. And you say you'll have a statement like, do not be deceived. If you practice this, you will not enter the kingdom of God. Colossians 5, verse 21. If you live in these things, if, you are, if this is what you're doing in your life, you're not going to make it to heaven, no matter what anybody else says. No matter, what the, no matter what the culture says, you're not going to heaven. That's what scripture says. That's what the final authority says. That's what the Lord says. And for Jesus to be your Lord, to, you might say, truly be your Lord, Matthew 7, 21 says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. That is just, just saying, Jesus, I believe in you. No, that doesn't cut it. The one who will make it is who is the one who does the will of the Father. And we've been knowing we've been knowing that. Well, what's the will of the Father when it comes to the steps of salvation? Hear the gospel, believe it, repent, confess, be baptized. That's the will of the Father. That's what the Father has revealed. Well, what are the things that I need to get rid of? What are the works of the flesh? What are the things that if I practice those things, 
I'm not going to make to heaven. Well, how about immorality? And that would be, that's a very specific word there, all sexual relationships outside of marriage. So having sex before marriage, uh, adultery, cheating on your wife, homosexuality, uh, you know, being a pedophile. Okay, that's all, that's all viewed as immorality. That's going to condemn you. But we also have a list of things like drunkenness. And that would be whether it's alcohol, marijuana, heroin, you name it, you're stoned. Okay, you're in the wrong. You're not going to make it. And I'm really impressed in Galatians 5.21 that he says, after giving that list, he says, and things like these. That is, don't, don't come to the Bible and say, well, I don't see where pornography is condemned. That is, I don't see where that word is found. Okay, yeah, it's not found there. Okay, but does it fit in the category of immorality? Does it fit in the category of sensuality, of lasciviousness? Does it fit in the category of impurity? Well, absolutely, yes. All right. So that's going to condemn you too. And, and anyone who's really honest with that, honest, would realize, well, of course, it's immorality. Of course, it's impurity. Of course, it's sensuality. I mean, that's what people are looking for. <laughs> okay. Uh, please don't make an argument like, well, um, obscenity is in the just is in the eye of beholder. Obscenity differs for every single individual. Come on, come on. If that's the case, then why do these businesses why why do these porn websites know exactly what to show? If obscenity is just in the eye of the beholder, then there there would have to be like eight billion versions of obscenity. Why is it that the people that deal in obscenity and sell obscenity know exactly what the customer wants? They know exactly what the customer is looking for. When you're selling in it, not only that, but why is it that a person looking for obscenity knows exactly where to find it? Okay, obviously it's not all vague and just in the eye of the beholder. Well, let's walk a little bit further here. If you're a person that makes a list of earthly goals, or excuse me, yearly goals, which could also be some earthly goals, but hopefully some there's some spiritual goals in there or resolutions, avoid putting anything vague on that list. For typically goals that are left vague are never met because it lasts, it lacks focus. How can you hit a target that you can't really see? So stop writing down things like, I need to be a better person. Where? That's way too vague. Specifically, what are you talking about? Where do you need to improve? And how are you going to start that process? Not only that, how are you going to start that process today, now? Any, any goal. Any goal that you're not willing to start today, you're not serious about. And coming back to Acts 2, all right? Men and brethren, what shall we do? Verse 37. It's not, what shall we do next week? What shall we do a month from now? What shall we do a year from now? It's, what shall we do right now? The eunuch, look, water, what prevents me from being baptized? Not in the coming month or six months. What prevents me from being baptized right now? People that are serious about getting their life right with God were willing to start that very hour.
at that moment. Okay. And if you're not, you're not serious. So be serious. Understand the urgency and understand how much God loves you. Well, this has been the Daily Answer. Mark Dunnigan, your host. Until next time, we'll see you in the funny papers.